Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Joe Moss. I'm the moderator of On the Money. It's brought to you by Embassy National Bank here in the metro Atlanta area. And as you know, at Embassy National Bank, we like to help small business uh, be better in what they do. That's what our mission is. And um, um, I've got a guest here today, and we don't really know where this interview is going to go, but uh, we're going to hit on all fronts. Um, His name is uh, Dr. Frank Clayton, and uh, he is a dentist and and runs uh, Clayton Dental. So, Frank, welcome to the show. Glad to be here, Joe. Good to meet you. Now, uh, Frank is, um, I think what we're going to find out is uh, that Frank is kind of a a renaissance man. And uh, we're going to hear a lot about um, uh, where he's been and uh, what he does, Um, but I think but we're going to focus more on his dental practice, Frank, if you don't mind with that. But we'll, we'll hit it from trying to help a dentist be a better business person. Uh, we're going to hit it from a marketing perspective, how to increase your revenues. Um, we'll also get a little hints in terms of how what a consumer needs to look at before they join a dentist or let someone open their mouth. And let's just we're going to get into a whole bunch of stuff, if you don't mind. Sounds wonderful. Fire away. Okay. Let your our listeners hear the story about how Frank Clayton decided to become a dentist. Uh, I took the, the 285 circuitous route to dentistry. Uh, my background is actually in German language and business, and I studied at the University of Georgia. I'm a 1990 grad and completed a university and then worked with Kraft General Foods in marketing. And my goal was to uh, work overseas in their international marketing department. And um, my last semester of school is in Austria and met my wife. Uh, my entire goal was to go to uh, Europe and stay, and that, that didn't work out. I met my wife, who was from Tennessee. There you go. Uh, so I had to wear a little orange with a red, <laughs> came home, uh, and we moved to St. Louis. It was either uh, marry me now or not at all. And happily, 25 I, years later. I know where that goes. So you, you know who wins that. Yeah. And 25 years later, still married, but the uh, the job went by the wayside. 1990 was a, a tough year in the, um, in the Midwest, and we were in St. Louis, and my wife was in graduate school, and I couldn't find a job. And I wanted to boost my resume, so I went back to school to study biology. I had always, uh, I liked it, never studied it at University of Georgia and went to Washington University in St. Louis. And by studying that, I was trying to, you know, uh, better myself to go into sales, but more of a, um, of an international angle. I was actually looking for the German company and something very technical. And as I took more biology, I found out I liked it, said, you know what, I want to stay in the sciences. And it was either become a physician or a doctor or a dentist. And my father-in-law, Tom Upchurch, who works with, uh, he's an ENT retired here in Atlanta, he suggested I go into dentistry. And anybody listening that's even thinking about it, if you have an entrepreneur spirit and you also like healthcare and like to hold teeth in your hands instead of hearts, dentistry is the, the avenue to go. Let, let's talk a couple of things I want to talk. First, what was your job at Kraft Foods? You were in the marketing? I was in marketing. Were you a product manager? I was headed that way. Okay. Yes. What area? What were you 
predominantly marketing? I marketed uh, Velveeta. Velveeta. <laughs> yes. And my territory was uh, Augusta to Macon up to Atlanta. Okay. CSRA was a region where the Savannah River. And I was being trained to go then go to Chicago, where Kraft uh, was located, and then eventually overseas. Okay. And that, that went by the wayside. Okay. Let's go to the next question mm-hmm. then. Uh, Dr. Upchurch, your father-in-law, yep. why would he suggest dentistry over the um, uh, medicine degree? Well, he, he knew my entrepreneurial spirit and had known me f- for years before I went back to school. And I had always, uh, I have been selling things since I was six years old. I used to sell candy at my grandfather's uh, gas station on the end of Brockett Road in, in Lawrenceville, uh, Brockett Road in 29. My grand, other grandfather had a restaurant in Ackworth. So both sides of the families were entrepreneurs. And I always liked the work for yourself spirit. And he knew that dentistry and the skills that I had uh, obtained up until that age would take me where I needed to go. He saw medicine headed where it is today. He had the foresight to say, you know, you'll be working basically for an insurance company and for a hospital. Mm-hmm. Very insightful. And he said, you know, if you go into dentistry, you can mix your business, the language, and the science. And lo and behold, that's actually what I do. I do mix my German. I work with German companies. I work with local companies. Mm-hmm. And I get to do clinical dentistry, which I love doing. Um, but I also have a training center in my office. I enjoy talking to business people like you. And that's, if, if anyone's thinking about it, they say, well, you know, dentists just work in the mouth. Um, there are avenues for every, every sector of, of healthcare. It's where you want to take it. And I, I chose it. It was the best decision I've ever made. Hmm. Now, in today's uh, changing medical world, What's going on with the economics of dentistry? Are people typically in, in, in my household when I have to when I hear about a crown or a, a um, what do they call it when you dig in uh, dig into the root a root, root canal? Root mm-hmm. um, that, you know that's big dollars. A lot of times the insurance doesn't cover it much, so I tend to shy away from that. But is the has the economics of dentistry changed as a result of the Affordable Care Act? It, it has a little bit in that. Dentist, if you think about what I do, uh, it's not life-saving or threatening. Your toothache for, say, $2,000 could be taken care of. If you had cancer, if you had a heart ailment, you can multiply that number by 100. At least. So the economics of dentistry is I'm competing with the air conditioner that your house needs, the cruise that your wife wants to go on, Mm -hmm. the car that you bought. Because there is a... There's a limit for most of my patients, and it's uh, it stops. Mm-hmm. You only have a finite amount of teeth. Certain things can be done to mitigate and alleviate the problem. Whereas in medicine, if, if you presented with cancer or if you presented with an ailment such as diabetes that were long-term management, the costs just keep running. So in dentistry, I compete with disposable income. Okay. And in my practice... Um, I try not to dig as much into insurance, but it hasn't affected dentistry as it has medicine. It, it's still, you're going to pay a little bit out of pocket. There's a stop loss for a dental insurance, which is really truly benefits. It's not insurance. Insurance mm-hmm. would, would cover you in case of a loss and pay 100% of that root canal mm-hmm. crown. Um, the dental insurance business is a very profitable game. Now, 
Um, I, I've heard that there are programs for the uh, middle income and lower income where children in Georgia can get a free teeth cleaning and things like that, and some of the dentists are marketing towards that. Is that a kind of a source of marketing for them? It, it is. It's, uh, if you want to call it a loss leader, to, to get the child in the doors so you can take care of the family and do something good for the patient. Mm-hmm. There's uh, peach care programs that will reimburse dentists. Um, the catch to the dentist is they may pay for that. Um, but especially in the metro Atlanta area, there's not many practices that can op- keep their doors open with a reimbursement through peach that. care okay so so there's the rub it's, it's a wonderful idea and from a marketing from a dentist perspective that's great but if mom and dad come in and need x amount of work and you're only reimbursed ten dollars and your rent and overheads fifteen dollars it doesn't take long to figure out that that doesn't work mm-hmm. so um there's the crux with dentistry there's a lot of need and just like anything else the all the money's not there now are you um I've met dentists that are not good business people, but I've also met dentists that are very good business people. And I guess the the good model is uh, I see a lot of leverage with uh, what I call junior dentists and uh, where the main dentist will leverage some of his uh, uh, patients, uh, which is some of the mundane tasks, either through the hygienist or through the, the young dentist. Is that something that you do? It, it isn't what I do. I bring a dentist in once a week to do procedures that I would refer out. But, but that model, if you think about this, I would say six out of 10, seven out of 10 of my class or colleagues take, take a dental sample, don't enjoy the business of dentistry. Those the dentists, business of dentistry? The or business. Do, okay. Because it, it, they what, like being a dentist. They love being a dentist. The technical aspect of, of getting down and working in, in confined places and building things. But they don't enjoy human resource. They don't mm-hmm. enjoy marketing. They don't mm-hmm. enjoy, I mean, the things that I, that I do enjoy, most of my colleagues don't. And so that group of dentists will kind of drift towards being, you know, working for someone else. The trend in dentistry now are groups, what you've described, where either a doctor who's very business savvy or a company comes along and purchases offices. And by Georgia law, there needs to be a dental owner. And mm-hmm. that's usually business driven by, by the uh the, the, quote, business dentist who doesn't do anything clinically, and they employ dentists to do the clinical procedures, as you've said. There is one thing driving that, and that is increased debt to go to dental school. So if I'm a dentist coming out of dental school with the average now is $170,000 in debt, are you as a bank going to loan me $800,000 with no experience? Correct. So what happens is these uh these dental docs that are smart will set up offices and know that those new graduates really have no place to go but to be an employer, an associate for them for a few years. And that's and that's the trend that I'm seeing now, larger offices with multiple docs, because the days of going out and hanging up a shingle are just about done in metro Atlanta. It's too expensive. And we're seeing a lot of uh, corporate dental offices as well now, too, correct? Corporate is really taking over. Now, do you, do you have to be a dentist to own a dental practice? It depends on which state. Okay. And some of these corporations have been sued in certain states because technically there wasn't a doc owner. In North Carolina, for instance, you must be the dentist that works there, whether it's an hour a week. Um, in some states, that it's not so tight. 
So corporations that are made with maybe a 51% shareholding dentist, mm-hmm. technically, they're the owner. And some states will allow that, yes. Georgia is, uh, is trying to fight that. Every cha- state tries to fight that because they want accountability for the person, not the corporation. And in the state size, it's a health care provider and not a business. Now, I understand in Georgia that the uh, dentist has to own the customer records, and then the but the owner can operate everything else. True. Okay. And the split has to be fifty one forty nine. For for a majority owner, there's if there's a name on the dental license and the corporation, fifty one percent majority needs to be a DDS or a DMD. Okay. Um, even if that associate dentist is ninety nine percent of the actual clinical work, mm-hmm. that's fine. The ownership falls fifty one percent. On, on the uh, the dentist. Um, well, let's shift for a minute. A, a couple of things I want to. Um, uh, well, let me finish one thought. Is is a dental office a good place to lend money? It's an excellent place to lend money. The default rate on dentistry is is currently in Atlanta. If I had to guess, would be less than one percent. A lot of those are due to substance abuse, uh, very bad decisions, and a, a honestly. From working in a, a dentist office is something hard to mess up. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Now, as a banker, what should I look for in order to lend money to a dentist? You look for saturation in the area. You you, you want to look at the integrity of the person that's, that's asking for the money mm-hmm. and the type of practice that they're going in. Dentistry different than medicine in that if I were a dermatologist – looking to buy another dermatology practice, there's not much personality that's being transferred, nor goodwill. In dental, look for the goodwill and the personality of the buying doc as much as the selling doc, Mm -hmm. because it'll mesh and your patients are more likely to stay. Hmm. If acquiring doc, it's a different demographic, then be ready for some patients to bail out and for some numbers to go down. And eventually that doc might, might build their practice. But if you're buying the cash flow and you're buying the goodwill and the equipment, as, as a lender, I would want these things to mesh, and they're somewhat intangible. You can look at everything on paper, mm-hmm. know what the doctor can produce, and if they have a record of producing any income, but the intangibles of personality, and like you said, if the first doc has some business acumen and the second doc has no room for it whatsoever, mm-hmm. maybe, it's a, maybe it's a female. And a, there, there's all kinds of variables. But we've got to be, yeah, I guess what I'm hearing saying, you've got to be careful if the business being acquired is a very personable dentist where everybody's attracted to them. Exactly. And, and you know, it's, it's hard to convey that value to a seller. In my, in my practice, for instance, I do that. And if I sold it to a doc that didn't call people after hours or didn't, you know, I do a little more handholding than most mm-hmm. dentists. But a lot of these acquisitions, don't they have a non-compete associated with them? They do. They do. And, and you know what? I, I have seen those. Uh, they're not able to be enforced as much as they used to. And with the Internet, it's easy to find a doc. If the, the covenant says five miles, mm-hmm. it's easy to find a doc six miles seven miles away with an internet search as before the doc you know you may have to look in the yellow pages or hear by word of mouth internet has decreased that mm-hmm. so um i've seen them not hold up in court okay put it that way you still got to contest it but sure yeah 
Sure. Um, you're listening to On the Money. This is Joe Moss. It's uh, brought to get brought to you by Embassy National Bank, and we are broadcasting from the International Subaru of Gwinnett uh, Radio Studio, and uh, recently redone a beautiful place. And uh, we we thank Subaru for the hospitality that they always show us. Uh, we're interviewing Frank Clayton, who is uh, the the a dentist, and he he owns Clayton Dental up in uh, Sewanee, Georgia, off of Sewanee Dam Road, and uh, having a kind of a wide-ranging conversation because uh, uh, Frank has done a lot in this world and uh, trying to hit all the points that we can. Um, all right, let's go to this other question I think I want to get to is um, for people that are thinking about a career change, what kind of advice would you give them? specifically into the dental field no let's just say they're languishing in a corporation or a corporate job or in a they don't feel like it's going anywhere they feel like their passion may be somewhere else kind of uh recommendations would you give them i i'm a, a firm believer in find your passion with the roi so it, it, okay <laughs> find your passion with an roi with an roi right it, it's uh the nebulous cloud of passion with a quantifiable ROI. And, and what I'm saying there is, sure, follow your dreams. Um, but if that dream involves, you know, loss of income for three years and a $60,000 degree, uh, what's on the other side? So there are things you can do that still contain your passion. You can, you can have careers that may not fit at 100%. But my advice is to look on the other side. Is there a demand for the job? What's going to be the outlook? As my father-in-law said 25 years ago, the outlook for medicine is going to be bleak. It's it's going to be a tough one. He was right mm -hmm. because ask someone that's in the field, say, what do you see going on? I was, I was riding with a, a craft representative. I'll never forget this. He was 55 years old and we were riding. I was 22 and we're driving along. We're down in Augusta at a Piggly Wiggly. And he said to me, he said, you know what? He goes, they're about to take my job from me. And I was fairly young and naive. And I asked what he was talking about. He said, I'm 55 and I have two girls in college. He said, I don't know if I have a job tomorrow. This is when there was consolidation in food. There always is. And, you know, I kind of, I was young enough to go, wow, you know, that doesn't affect me right now. But when I'm 55, that will affect me. I will be in the passenger seat taking someone around and, and explain to them I may not have my job. And that truly resonated. And as I worked more in corporate and I saw that when you have entrepreneurial drive, that there are hurdles in corporate. And I'm a rule follower, but I also like to break through any barriers. Mm -hmm. If you're that type of person that, that does that, I don't think corporate might be your gig. And I highly recommend finding your passion. And if it's healthcare, there are, there are PAs, nurses. I have plenty of friends who, who have left careers in teaching that have gone into nursing mm -hmm. or PA. Um, hygiene is a wonderful degree, female-dominated. That is constantly in supply because of marriage, because of babies. So there's a constant need for dental hygienists. Mm -hmm. The salaries are incredible. Mm -hmm. there's, there's rarely any Fridays or Saturdays. Are they becoming the... Um nurse practitioner of the dental world in a way in georgia i can't delegate anything dental to them mm -hmm. it's funny you you ask that because the state of kentucky allows you 
with with an assistant, not a hygienist. There, there's a, the hierarchy. There's a, a trained assistant who works by your dentist, who hands them things, who's really their right and left arm. The hygienist is the one that cleans your teeth. That's usually a two to four year associate bachelor's degree. The assistants in the state of Kentucky, once that dentist cuts your tooth, say you're getting a filling or a crown, then he walks away. The assistants fill it. Mm-hmm. So you're you're able to scale out on a on a pretty grand scale in and Kentucky. get to the next one. Yeah, exactly. Georgia does not allow that. So my production and my hands are limited to two two hands. Mm-hmm. I have to do the procedure. States that are trying to expand care, doctors who are also business savvy, say, well, I can hire four assistants. I can do the work because it only takes me five minutes to prepare a tooth. It takes me 15 to shape it and get it right. Mm-hmm. They are using those expanded dental assistants. So that career in those states, big need for them. And ones that are skilled, mm-hmm. high pay for those jobs. Well, we often have, uh, we talk about passion. We talk about uh, when to be careful with passion. A lot of times uh, small business owners will get tunnel vision and um they will not they will stop seeing the forest through the trees and it's time to kind of step back um uh, we see people that go after the passion decide well i think i'm going to open up a restaurant um we've had a whole session on that in terms of be careful uh opening up a restaurant if you've never had the experience um so, yeah, I really agree with that. That's the best way I've heard it stated so far. Uh, find your passion that also has an ROI. But in your world, you really had no you really had no plan, though, did you? I mean, you were kind of slapped with it, though. Uh, I, I was. I, I enjoyed the, um, again, the entrepreneurship and the unknown, the Wild West of what am I going to do when I get out of school? Mm-hmm. And this day, I'll tie in with the bank that I work with is Affinity Bank. 13 years ago when I had, uh, I was ready to go out on my own. I'd worked for a few years as a dentist. I approached some banks and, and just like you've seen, didn't really have a track record. And I was asking for several hundred thousand dollars to open a bank. And they took the risk mm-hmm. on me. Um, a lot of banks at the time wouldn't do it. And th- this, uh, this bank, the president's wife was a dentist. That's how they got into dental lending. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. He saw the passion. He also knew that I was I was gutsy enough and I was going to make it happen. They like the business background, but there, there's also one thing if I can give any advice to someone. Surround yourself with people who know more than you. And We as, hear that a lot in here. It, it, it is so true that as an entrepreneur, you want to blaze the trail. Well, you know, you need someone to clear a little bit for you. Somebody who's standing above the fog and the burn. Somebody behind you that's leaving track so you can get out. I surround myself with people who are much better than I am with accounting, with assisting, with mm-hmm. hygiene, with front desk, with with management. Um, if you do that, it doesn't matter which industry you're in. So the risks that I took that the bank saw when they heard that I was going to – I built a mini board around myself and said, I will rely on these people for advice on getting to where I want to go. And it doesn't matter which business that you're in. You surround yourself with people that share the same passion. It doesn't have to be dentistry. I can help advise you in, in just about anything, and I'm sure you can as well. It doesn't have to be industry-specific. 
there are the same signs and si uh, the systems that are in place that you've seen as a business owner several times over to help that person along through the through the jungle. But that that's kind of the path that I took. Um, all right, let's go to uh, the consumer side. If I'm hunting around for a dentist, what should I look for? You know, it, it's what you want. And some patients, I'll ask them that. If I see them on a ball field or I see them at the arena, they'll say, I'd like to come see you. And I, and I just flat out ask, what are you looking for? You can commoditize dentistry. A crown is a crown, a filling is a filling. Um, in my office, you're not going to wait more than a minute and a half in the waiting room. I value time. In this area, people are in a, in a hurry to get to work. Time's valuable. Um, That's what I'm seeing in the medical field. It, it, it is. It's interesting in that, yes, it is a commodity. There are better crowns. Mm -hmm. There's better porcelain. There's better aesthetics. You could probably shop around for price, too. Oh, sure. And, 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 you know, there's a point where, sure, Dr. X's crown may be just as good as Dr. Y. $200 difference. Well, what are you willing to pay for? Mm -hmm. The ability to be seen quickly, the ability to get in. I call you on a Saturday when you call me when your daughter fell down. I meet you at my office on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. If you value that, you're going to pay $100 more for the crown and know sure. it. Sure. If, if you don't, and I totally understand that, then at that point in your, your dental life, I might not be the office for you. There's a segment where I did fill, and I would take you if you were breathing because I had no patience. I was brand new, and I was ready to start, and I would do anything. But as the practice matures, I kind of have, have honed it into, you know, again, my passion. I love getting up, and I love going to work. When it started to veer off that path, I changed it. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do root canals anymore. They drive me crazy. They're, they're uh, stressful. So within my dental world, I changed it. I got to stop there. <laughs> What's stressful about doing a root canal? Well, it's the easiest job in dentistry to mess up. Huh. It is done on a millimeter level. It's like flying uh, visual flight rules. You have to be, uh, and I hope some endodontist friends are listening, you have to be odd to be an endodontist, which is just someone who does root canals all day. Well, my wife ended up being referred to one like that. They, I, I can tell you that they're worth every penny that you give them. It, it is easy to do a bad root canal. That is, to me, the hardest procedure to mm -hmm. do. And if you're going to put a crown on it or put anything on the tooth, which you should, you better have a good foundation. That part of dentistry is stressful. It, it uh, On the surface, it may not seem and it's very profitable so as a business owner there you look at a procedure and go wow that's twelve hundred dollars i saw that when we were talking to this guy my wife said let me see an x-ray i don't understand what you're talking about and what he does is he builds multiple canals mm -hmm. so that it really takes i mm -hmm. guess mm -hmm. and uh, anyway he's pretty proud of that and we paid extra for it but it's worked it it's an art and that is a science that area of dentistry, more power to them. That in, in pediatric dentistry for screaming kids, I'll be glad to give you a lollipop and a referral <laughs> to Dr. Rhonda Hogan down on satellite who takes care of me um, and bails me out when the kid bites me or screams and I've, you know, I'm out of gas for the day. So yeah. how do you deal with um, patients that don't like going to the dentist? Uh, Anti-anxiety. And, and what I did as part of my business model um, was to knock down the barriers, whether it's finance or anxiety. Those are the two big ones. I tell patients every day, it's, it's money and time. The third one's fear. 
and I can help you with time, and that's not a problem. Fear, modern medicine at its best. I can sedate you, non-IV sedation, knock the edge off. Mm-hmm. People say, what's it like? I said, it's like a half a bottle of Chardonnay. It's wonderful. You can come in and have this done. I've been doing that for 15 years. It's great. And only when they start coming back monthly do you think there may be a problem here, exactly. right? Exactly. You're asking for it to go back. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But uh, honestly, who likes to come to the dentist? No one. Oh, it makes me a little nervous. It, yeah. it, 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 well, it nothing may, worse than tooth pain. And there's a medical reason for that, and I know that. And an empathetic dentist will pick up on that and feel you know, your anxiety. So when people say, God, how stressful is your job? You know, it's it's very stressful for an empathetic dentist to sit and look and I can see your knuckles grab the chair and I'm looking right in your eyes. My father-in-law said to me, he said, I don't know how you do what you do. He goes, I would get the anesthetist to put the person out. Mm-hmm. He goes, and then I do my surgery. He was an ENT and he worked in the same sure. region I did. Right. I said, what's so hard about that? I've spent some time in the ER with him and I saw people that were awake through uh uh, ER visits. And then I saw ones that were asleep. And he said, you're going to be dealing with people that are awake and very anxious. So the docs out there that provide, if, if your doctor provides sedation, whether it's laughing gas, nitrous oxide, there are some that provide deeper, take advantage of that. I can guarantee the work that the dentist does when they're not as anxious will be worth the price that you pay for that That's sedation. That's a good point. Um, I want to come back to that. This is uh, Joe Moss. You're listening to On the Money. Brought to you by Embassy National Bank, and we're talking to Dr. Frank Clayton. Uh, he's a dentist, and he runs uh, Clayton Dental on Suwanee Dam Road up in um, Suwanee, Georgia. And um, being that uh, Frank is somewhat of a renaissance man, he went through a big uh, career change. He now is approaching dentist, dentistry not only as a dental practice but also as a business. Uh, pretty uh, a kind of a wide-ranging conversation. So... Um, Frank, let's talk about, um, I want to get back to the, uh, the point where the dentist can be anxious as well. Uh, a lot of times we think dentists just kind of get through it, but you're affected by all this. Again, I would, I'd probably say 70% of my colleagues and classmates can not turn that empathy off. And, and, and this is what I tell salespeople. When I'm training people to sell to dentists, this is what you may not realize as a patient. When you come in that office, you know, you feel the fear. Studies have shown when I give you an injection, my heart rate parallels yours. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Seven out of ten, I would say, of, of those dentists, including myself, fear. I, I don't like going to the dentist. I know it. I do it for a living. So the procedure that I do takes me emotionally along with you. And at the end of a procedure, it can be very rewarding. If you're in pain and you're, you're hurt or you're crying or you're fearful, then a lot of times so am I on the inside. I've got to squelch that, go to hygiene, check, shake your toe and say, hey, it looks good. You've been brushing. Great. Walk right back into a room that's a stressful situation with a patient who wants to run away. And I know this. And that's tough. And when you go on these peaks and valleys every day, and you do these procedures, either one, you become very calloused, you, and you've been to those dental offices where that doc walks in, and it's pretty much, hey, yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that is a wall, a protective wall for the dentist. Either they've been through it, and they're like, 
I'm hardened from this. That's enough. And then they go teach in medical school because mm-hmm. that's who teaches in medical in dental school. Or you stay and you say, what's going to control the stress? So back to my point of not wanting root canals. If I'm doing a cosmetic procedure on you, which is stressful enough anyway, and I had just had a root canal and I'm still a little bit, you know, I'm thinking in my head, did it go right? That patient, you know, did they get numb? Were they crying? Mm-hmm. Whatever. You want me focused on you. Mm-hmm. I learned that if I eliminated some of those procedures that caused my stress, that I would focus on you. And the quality of my work became better because I did. And my income took a hit Mm -hmm. because I just threw away $1,200 on a root canal that I could have done. Mm -hmm. But the quality of life and not yelling at the kids and the wife and the dog when I got home, which it near that point, uh, I, I trimmed that from the tree. And so I keep it within predictable as much as I can, but Mm -hmm. things that I enjoy doing. My stress is less. Patients pick up on that. I can guarantee the results are better. I'm not rushed. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking, again, back to your question, if you're looking for a dentist, try to jive, you know, if you can get the feel in a minute, whether you're a salesperson or a patient, you walk in a dentist or a doctor's office, you get the vibe of what's going on. Whether you're going to hit match or not. True, truly. And, And if you heard the dentist's voice, you can tell in the tone of voice and the way that those employees are talking, mm-hmm. is that a good place? And mm-hmm. if you drive, and honestly, if, if you if you have any apprehension, find another doc. You know, there are so many docs out there mm-hmm. that you mesh with. Maybe a little bit more expensive. Dentistry, I, I tell patients, dentistry is expensive, period. Of course it is. M- mine's a little bit more. There's an office across the street that's a little bit more than mine. Um, but go in mesh with a doctor and the staff guarantee your results will be uh, uh what you paid for all right let's let's finish up with um from a dentist perspective uh what's the best way to borrow money uh as you know at embassy and national bank you may or may not know we do make a lot of sba loans we like that package we think it's got a lot of benefits to the uh, borrower mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, there are some expenses up front, but over time, it's better to have a non-maturing loan on your books. That you're, uh, From a dental standpoint, you just make the payment and keep on, keep on. No one ever has to renew it or ask any more questions. But from your perspective, what should a dentist look for in a bank in order to borrow money? You know, it's very similar than what I just said when a patient walks into a dental office. If you feel you mesh with that bank, and, and by the way, the SBA, is I have an SBA loan, and, and I would highly recommend it from a lending side, being working with my bank and a dentist. Mm-hmm. If you get the feeling that you mesh with them, that's probably the place for you. They but, need to understand what you're doing also, don't they? They do. It, it's, um, it's not selling produce. It's not serving things in a restaurant. It is somewhat commoditized. I can put it on a spreadsheet, and you can see it as a banker. Mm-hmm. But you've you've got to either as a dentist convey if your approach is going to be different in dentistry or why. Why should you open up this office in Alpharetta with 30 docs all over the place? Mm -hmm. USP, unique selling position. What's going to to make you different, just like anything else? And if you can convince me as as a bank and the doc says, you know what, I'm sticking to my guns here and this is what I'm going to do, and the bank finds value in it, then you have a connection. If you get the feeling that the bank may not, and there are banks that say, you know what, we, we don't want to lend to that. We want to just want to say straight vanilla. Or we want to lend to multiple offices. Mm-hmm. There are other banks, just like there's there's other dentists. 
And I would say, you know, I shot my I shot my loan to seven different banks, and it took the last one to find the fit. Right. So you're looking at more to you're looking to find more of a partner than you are anything. Oh, you know, without a doubt, that that's a source for money. But I mean, that's a that's a term that everybody throws around, you know, but it's real, isn't it? it, it it's so real that I can call my banker who have dealt with other dentists or pull data and say, is this are you seeing this trend happening in in your clients? Mm -hmm. And it, be it with a benchmarking for a restaurant, for, you know, a cellular phone store. As a dentist, if I've got 800 to a million dollars on the line, I would love to call you for some advice because how many people do you see every day as opposed to I see patients every day. Mm -hmm. You see business people with with uh, spending and borrowing habits. You, you have your pulse on the local economy. Mm -hmm. And as a dentist, I want to be able to call you and say, tell me about it. What, what do you see going on here? Is there some building going on, new construction? Maybe I should send out some things because there's a new school in the works. Are you are you associated with the, the uh, chamber? What? A new hotel going okay there's going to be some travel maybe i should start marketing there so the the dentist as a as a resource is, is huge don't look at it as as just borrowing money there's there's intangibles attached to that money and if you and if again if you get a good feeling with the bank and you feel like they know you I guarantee you they know your community mm -hmm. do you um um we only have another four minutes or so but um, i do want to um ask you about marketing as a dentist how do you i think you may have answered some of this but let's kind of focus so a good way to wrap things up how do you make yourself look different how do i make it look like you know what there are a lot of dentists out there but i want to go to clayton dental i would say give us one visit and you'll see i don't i do hardly any external marketing i support local communities Ball teams, uh, there's a new Georgia Swarm lacrosse coming, Gwinnett mm -hmm. Gladiators, I'm their team dentist. I will. They're bringing a professional lacrosse team? Yes. Did okay. you know that? Wow. So they're bringing the team from Minnesota. Then this is for an example. So I talked to the owner last night, and I said, I'm going to help you grow, and in turn, I'm going to grow. My passion for lacrosse, as it was for hockey and still is, I feed that passion. Mm-hmm sponsor lacrosse events, become the team dentist. I will get patients who also go, you know what? This guy's plugged in local community, has a passion for this. My kid plays this. I guess there's probably a lot of dental work for a lacrosse team, kind of like a I hockey so. team, right? I hope so. I just tell those guys, <laughs> keep eating sugar and don't wear your mouthpiece. Right. That's just good. But, but I, I honestly, Joe, I don't market much. I, I let my employees and my work market the word of mouth. It's tougher to grow, but it has been a steady foundation that I built my practice on. So you're really only as good, just like in a restaurant, look at a bank, or anywhere, you're really only as good as your last customer and the last transaction for that customer. And that customer will let a thousand people know on the internet the minute they, they will. leave. Thanks to Yelp and everything, yes. right? Yes. Right. Um, you know, we've got. Uh, some people out there that do a lot of marketing and uh, social media. So I suspect we'll combine, we'll have to uh, combine you with one of them at some point to talk about sure. that whole, how to manage that social media. Uh, Cause I think in your world, gosh, it's so instantaneous. They literally come out of the office and get on Yelp. I can see every review that hits the internet. It comes through my email and um, 
I can tell you that one negative one will just about counteract sure. 20 or 30 positive ones. Now, how do you, oh, um, do you think that people are more likely to get on Yelp over a dentist deal than they would a meal or what's the sensitivity there they they have been because i track at where everybody's coming from uh, i'm big on on marketing metrics and more patients than ever will say i saw your reviews mm-hmm. and that's that's what speak that's the meal that i served and that's what speaks right right um i think if i i funnel back into my office of my employees then that returns in spades, which it has. We do a lot of work within the hotel community, kind of the medium to smaller hotels, and uh, not in some of the smaller cities in Georgia and around the southeast. And some of the Yelp comments are actually humorous. I mean, you can sit there and just read Yelp comments. They all are day. kind of entertaining, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, but even uh, anyway, some of the ones talking about the clientele they see coming in out of the hotel. Um, one of them called it, uh, one hotel called it Swaggart Palace is what he called it. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. Well, listen, uh, we're at the end of the uh, time here. And uh, Frank, I really appreciate you being on the show and kind of sharing your insight on a lot of different things. It's been very helpful. A couple of things that I recall here is that, um, you know, fight, pursue your passion but make sure it has an ROI. Um, you didn't say it, but it's an ongoing theme in our world is uh, uh, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you got to, um, as it was coined last week, throw your fear in the back seat. Uh, you got to convince yourself we're going to move forward and you got to go get it done. Um, and uh, from a, uh, and then a, an ongoing theme we hear all the time is, Gosh, you're only as good as your last transaction, and uh, and you got to take good care of the customers because if those customers aren't happy, your business is going to die. Amen. So, um, well, listen, um, Doctor Clayton, tell everybody where they can get a hold of you, you and um, and then uh, we'll wrap things up. Come online to www.claytondental.com. Uh, Take a look. We're right on the corner of Petrie Industrial and Swanee Dam Road okay. behind the Quantum Bank. If you have any dental questions, if you want a second opinion, if you want to talk business of dentistry, if you're a patient that that wants to ask some questions, as you can probably tell, I'm, I'm vocal and I'll give you my opinion, my honest opinion, and uh, give me a call. And uh, Dr. Clayton asked that he just get one one try, and he'll, he uh, pretty much guarantees you'll be back. So. That's it. Um, I like that a lot. Well, listen, everyone, thank you for this. And um, it's been a good discussion. We'll follow it up again. And a lot of recurring themes occur on this show for the small businessman. I don't matter what industry you're in. It always seems to come back to the customer, doesn't it, Mike? Always comes back to the customer. Take care of that customer and good things will happen. No amount of social marketing, uh, advertising, anything can overcome uh, doing really well with every single customer that walks in the door. So with that, everyone, uh, have a good uh, rest of the week, and thanks for listening. Again, this has been On the Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank, and uh, Joe Moss suggesting to you to uh, keep the fear in the back seat.